Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, October 5th, 2023, and we're reading from the big book, and we're in the chapter, A Vision for You, page 157, the fifth paragraph, The Man in the Bed, reading through that one paragraph only. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Paul P., 12 Traditions, Joni C., and reading the text are Nancy R., Martha Z., and our backup is Katie G. The newcomer greeter is Reba P., and the host of the second hour is Leah S. The reference numbers for Wednesday, October 4th, 2023, 7 a.m. meeting is 20713. That's 20,713. For the 10 a.m. meeting, 20717, that's 20,717. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. To abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Paul P. to read the 12 steps. Star one, Paul. Paul, star one. Yes, I did. How? Are we go still ahead. there? Yes. All right. Go ahead, please. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested a program of recovery. One, we admitted we are powerless over uh, alcohol, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that our power is great than our, that there is a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to a, over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a search and fearless moral inventory of our lives. Five, Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we entirely ready to have God remove all these difficulties of character, defects of character, sorry. Seven, 
humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a, search, made a list of all persons we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so willingly will, would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory when and when we are wrong, promptly admit it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God we, as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry these, this message to alcoholics, the principles, and to the, I'm sorry, and to practice these in all our affairs. Thank you for having me do service. Thank you so much, Paul. Okay, I will now ask Joni C. to read the 12 traditions of OA, please. Good morning. This is Joni C. from Minnesota, a compulsive overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than, a, than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to 
place principles before personalities. Thank you, Joni. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book and we're on page 157, the fifth paragraph, the man in the bed was told through that one paragraph only ending with talk about the mental state preceding the first drink. And I will ask Nancy R. to begin reading. Good morning, Nancy R., um, recovered compulsive overeater from Northwest Illinois. The man in the bed was told of the acute poisoning from which he suffered, how it deteriorates the body of an alcoholic and warps his mind. There was much talk about the mental state preceding the first drink. Um, so I wanted to share about that last sentence. There was much talk about the mental state preceding the first drink. Um, the relief of that mental state preceding my first bite is um, the solution is uh, my higher power. And the way to more connection with that higher power for me has been through working the 12 steps as they're outlined in the big, big book, going through the big book as a text and um, having the willingness, which is not from me, to keep doing the work and the serenity and the, um, the peacefulness of just receiving that gift because um, my mind is, or I have a mental state that precedes my first bite. And I've heard for a long time in program, like um, the, when we, when we um, start to overeat or pick up that first bite or start our binge, that's um, not the beginning of um, the relapse, um, the beginning, that's the result of not turning uh, to the solution before that. And the mental state that I wake up with every day and um, give to my higher power throughout the day is how I am able to get relief from the, that that thinking. I'm 
um, kind of stammering as to how to even put it into words because it's um, not of my doing, you know, like me being willing to wake up in the morning and do my prayer meditation and connect with this higher power is not of my doing because there's many mornings of my life that I have just not taken the time to do that. And uh, today I I have the willingness and the surrender and the ability to take the time to do that. Um, God, my higher power has disciplined, discipline, disciplines me because I am, I am undisciplined. And discipline can sound like an awful word, but it's a loving, caring, guiding discipline where um, it allows me to stay in um, this recovered state. Um, and you know, the mental twist of the mind for me is very alluring, very subtle, Fine, very. Um, thank you. Um, so I just wrap up with um, I'm grateful that I have the solution that I've been given, the solution, the gift of the solution of this strange mental state preceding my first bite. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy R., for getting us started. Although we value your experience every third day in order that others might share their experience. And who would like to share on this fifth paragraph on page 157? Darlene H. Janet. Darlene H. Darlene, Janet. Karen K. Karen K. Anyone else? Sherry M. Sherry M. Lisa C. Lisa C. Heidi B. Heidi B. Anyone else? Okay, well, we'll go with this list. Uh, Darlene H., Janet B., Karen K., Sherry M., Lisa C., and Heidi B. Darlene H., you're up. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Darlene H., recovered in Georgia. Short little, short little paragraph sentence. Um, gosh, I was thinking about if I was that person sitting in the bed, how would that feel to have somebody to start talking about my thoughts prior to picking up that mental state be like almost like this relief of oh i'm not crazy i mean i kind of am right because my thinking so whacked out but i mean how many years did i sit around and think what's wrong with me i make decisions i'm gonna you know, I decide I'm not going to eat this way. I decide I'm going to follow this diet. I decide. And then I change my mind. What's up with that? What goes on with that? So to have other people sitting there explaining their experience with the thoughts prior, um, you know, preceding the first drink, must have provided him such relief. I know it did me. 
I know when I sat in meetings and heard people tell my story and to talk about not just about the food, right, because the food is my solution, but the thinking, the problem, how I didn't know how to deal with life, how I didn't know how to get along, and I was just this seeking missile, relief-seeking missile, somebody who just, but he didn't know that. I had no idea. You know, my brain is working in overtime, and I'm thinking I'm stuck in reality where I'm lost in fantasy. And my brain still can conjure up all these great ideas of how I should live life and what I should do and how it should be. And, And it's believable. It makes a lot of sense. And then some, you know, and I go off on my own power and I try these things and <laughs> it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, morning. Checking with others. Um, checking in with God, quiet time, meditation, checking motives. Like there's so many things that are tools that help me to see whether I have uh, a diseased brain or a healthy brain. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Darlene H. Okay, Janet B., you're up, followed by Karen K. Hi, good morning. It's Janet B., recovered compulsive eater in North Carolina, formerly. There was much talk about the mental state preceding the first drink. Well, here was my mental state preceding the first compulsive bite. I can have one, and then I'll be able to stop. It was a lie. My mental state was a lie. And I think, like, well, how come? And I go back in the book to page 24, and it says we're unable to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of the past, and that we're without defense against the first compulsive bite for us. So what they're telling me is my memory should be my defense, right? I should remember that 100,000 times I said, I'll just have one, and then I ate the whole box, the whole bag, the whole carton, whatever. Um, But here's how I think it works. I think that there's a bridge, a connection between my memory and my conscious mind. And stored in my memory are like data points of dangerous things. So for instance, I have like a really bad cat allergy. So stored in my memory are data points of you went near a cat and you had an asthma attack. You went near a cat, you got a sinus infection. You went near a cat, you got sick. So someone invites me to her house and she has a cat. Really quickly, my memory will grab the data point, generate a little thought to run across the bridge to say, stop, danger, cats will give you an asthma attack. And so I don't go near cats. Um, Or the same thing with the book talks about hot stoves, right? Burnt my hand on a hot stove, I'm about to clean up after dinner. And really quickly, my memory scans the data point, you touch a hot stove and you burnt your fingers. Generates a thought to run across the bridge, stop, Danger, hot stoves will burn your hand. But when it came to food, it didn't work that way. So in college, I used to binge on this certain kind of cookies. It came in a box of 20. I would tell myself, I'm just going to have one. We all know how that story ended. 20 plus often another box. So in my memory, for all these data points, you say you're just going to have one, but you had the whole box. You said you were just going to have one, you had the whole box over and over. So I'm about to go down to the store, get my box to just have one. My memory does its job, creates a a little thought to run across the bridge. Stop, danger. You won't be able to just have one. You're going to eat the whole box. You're going to hate yourself. You're going to get fatter. Don't do it. 
except unlike with cats and hot stoves, when it came to food, the bridge was broken and the thought couldn't get across. I had no defense for my memory. And that was my mental state. I couldn't remember that I couldn't stop. So what was my solution? Not trying to remember hard enough that didn't work. Since I didn't have a bridge to my memory, my only solution was to build another bridge, and that was the bridge to God. And that's what these beautiful 12 steps taught me how to do. And by his grace, I can be free of obsession. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janet. Okay, Karen Kay, you're up, followed by Sherry M. Good morning, my name is Karen Kay from Syracuse, New York, and my credit stone transfer. This paragraph is uh, very dear to me. It was the first paragraph that I heard on the, the first vision meeting. You know, for me, um, I didn't know I was a liar. I didn't know that uh, my disease would lie to me. And if I negotiated long enough, that the, the, the uh, liar always wins. So what I need to do is fire the liar and hire God. And God is in the center of my life today. I'm just still a work in progress, still working the steps, and knowing that my disease will settle me for being miserable, but would prefer to have me dead. And I didn't know what I didn't know, but I know more now than I did. I need to be a student. If my story's not changing and my growth is not changing, then I'm not growing. I need to have new experiences in my life to share. Um, I know this disease whipped my ass, and I know it will kill me. Not, and I'm just so grateful um, that I'm in the hospital. You know, I'm in the hospital, um, going through the steps again, much slower, and to be teachable and to learn new things. And I'm, I'm grateful for this meeting, and I'm just grateful to know that I'm a liar, and I need to stay close to God so I'm not a liar. And with that, I'll pass, and I've hired God. Thank you. Thank you, Karen Kay. Okay, Sherry M., you're up, followed by Lisa C., Hi, good morning. This is Sherry M. And I'm gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Wyoming. Thank you, Katie, for taking the meeting. Um, I have a long, long history of this subject matter and my mind and the, the strange mental blank spots that accompany this disease. You know, what I learned by coming to vision for the first time in 2018 after being in Overeaters Anonymous since 2004 and really just doing a diet with group support, not realizing why I kept going back to the food, is that <clears throat> I finally <clears throat> got what my problem was. And, um, you know, there was a great podcast that really, there's so many, so many of you have shared the information for me, but really learning that I had a body that was not going to eat certain foods normally ever, um, and that I have a mind that tells me that I can and that's what I'm dealing with, with this disease. And so I, every time, I would say um, it has shown up in such a, a strange way since getting recovered in 2019. And then uh, when I moved out of state, it, it started showing up differently, you know, getting connected to God and doing steps 10, 11, and 12 and living um, 
without the emotional disturbance. You know, first I thought it was because of my emotions that I was eating and because of my abused childhood and all, and all the trauma and the neglect and the abandonment. And then I came to vision and isn't it strange that all those things were still part of my story, but I got recovered and I never thought of those things. I mean, I was able to like let the past go and live free. Um, so then I learned that it wasn't because of emotional things or circumstances. Uh, and then, um, and then I was totally close and connected with God. But the, you know, for me, the, the thought really comes in, not necessarily right before uh, picking up food, but what I can see if I go back is like, oh, six months prior, I had this strange idea that I was normal and I was making too big of a deal of it, but I never brought God in to that thought because I didn't share it with another person. And I didn't, um, you know, I, I didn't, it didn't even scare me. So, you know, trying to rely on my last binge or, uh, you know, my memory, like what was said before, or, you know, my willpower, all of these things, self-knowledge, willpower is not going to help combat this disease because only the higher power can by being truthful and by connecting. This disease is one of amnesia, delusion, illusion, minimization, rationalization. I mean, there's so many more uh, words I can use to describe it, but it is cunning, baffling, and it is powerful, and it is much bigger than me or any human being. And so I must be honest about these thoughts as they come up and then put God in there and ask God for help and write about it or do 10 times, please. Prop- yeah, and I will pass. Thank you so much, Katie. Okay, thank you, Sherry M. Okay, Lisa C., you're up, followed by Heidi B., and then we'll open it up for more shares. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Lisa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone um, for this meeting. Thank God for this meeting. You know, this paragraph makes me think about how honest I needed to get and how honest I need to be every single day, and that because, because folks in this meeting tell the truth, I have been invited to tell the truth. I have learned how to be honest with myself. Um, I have learned not to run away from the reality of this disease. You know, this paragraph um, is so, so, so profound to me. It's like all there. Um, it's about the, the, what happens to me physically. It's about the mental twist. And it's actually, it's, it's not just what food does to me when I partake. It's really about um, what leads me there in the first place. Because, see, that doesn't change just because the food is down. Living an abstinent life does not stop the mental state preceding the first drink, the first bite, the first uh, thing in my online shopping cart that I'm going to buy today. You know, God does these really fantastic things. And, you know, the mystery of why I ate the way I ate and why I am the way I am, why I am an addict, I am an addict 100% through and through. And now that I understand that and I'm not ashamed of it, and I recognize that it does not have anything to do with how good I am of a person, how smart I am, um, all the illusions and lies and stereotypes I had in my mind about what addiction was and what it meant to be an addict have been tossed aside. You know, um, so just as mysterious as it is to me that I am this way is the mystery of God that I also just, you know, um, I don't have an answer for why I eat the way that I eat, why I used to eat the way that I ate and why this disease plagues me. And I don't understand how God fixes it either. And I take it on faith. But what I 
you know, God does these really fascinating things in my life when I'm fully turned toward him, such as I'm a high school English teacher. I teach English. I am not good with money. Okay, I have a union job. I get paid on a schedule. I don't think about these things. Um, And I was asked to teach an economics class this term, a necessary class for seniors who need it in order to graduate. And wow, what a journey it has been. This is God's gift to me. I have not transferred money into my savings account in years. And the other day I said, what am I doing? I have to have more integrity than this. I'm learning more, I think, than my students are. And God gave me this opportunity, which at first, of course, I was full of resentment over because I'm not an economics teacher. Why are you making me do this? Just because there's a vacancy doesn't mean I have to fill it. Why don't you ask somebody else? I was full of all of that mental state preceding the first fight. Um, But God removes it. God relieves me. I don't know how he does it. I don't know why he does it. He loves me. That's why. I don't know how he can love me. I'm so broken. But here we are. So I just keep doing the next right thing. Teaching this economics class is actually helping me to shine a light on the issues that I have with compulsive shopping and with not managing my finances. So thank you, God. More will be revealed. And so we keep moving through the steps. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you so much, Lisa C. And Heidi B., you're up, and then we'll open it up for more shares. And if you've just joined us, we are on page 157, the fifth paragraph, the man in the bed, just reading that one paragraph. And um, so, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Good morning. This is Heidi B. calling from New York. And, um, oh, God, yeah, uh, you know, this idea of acute poisoning um, until I understood that this disease is going to kill me and truly accepted that I could not recover. Um, you know, I didn't understand that there was no negotiating. I didn't understand, um, you know, that uh, it just, I cannot have those foods, period. Uh, they are poison for my body. Uh, and not, you know, not only do, uh, do does my body deteriorate you know and and a lot of times we feel like this doesn't really apply to us um because of you know it's about alcoholism but it does to me um you know I was I was dying and my body was feeling the effects of it I happen to be an overeater you know I've heard plenty of stories of people who were under eaters who also suffer physically the effects of that disease, um, of this disease. And, you know, so I, you know, this just, just makes me, um, you know, just reminds me that, that this is, um, that this is going to kill me. And there's a person that speaks on this line, um, you know, who gives the example of a peanut allergy. And if your child had a peanut allergy, you know, would you be, would you, you know, not go in and, and, disturb someone to say like you know are there peanuts in something but yet when it's me when it's my um when it's my allergic food I don't want to bother anybody I don't want to I don't want to um embarrass anyone uh including myself right so um you know it just it just reminds me of the seriousness of this disease and um and the madness of that, that first thought that tells me that I can, that it'll be different, that I'm making too much of it, as someone else has said. Um, so with that, I'll pass. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Heidi B. And so if you have not shared on the last two days, who else would like to share on the first, on the fifth paragraph on page 157? Jackie B. Chris Ken B. WH. Chris, Ken WH. Jackie B. I got you, Jackie. Okay. Tony B. Chris B. I heard, I got you. Okay. Who else? Tony B. Pedro B. Tony B. Pedro B. I'm not sure if Chris is last initially. Toby K. And Toby K. Betsy P. Hello, I'm sorry. I didn't hear the last person. Betsy P. Okay, Betsy P. Okay, let's go with that lineup. Jackie B, Chris, I believe, Ken WH, Tony B, Pedro B, Toby K, and Betsy P. Go ahead, please, Jackie. Hi, this is Jackie B from the Bronx. Thank you so much. Um, I'm really grateful today for my recovery and for, I love that thing about the mental twist. You know, um, it's amazing to me that, um, what do you call it, that they, you know, that a mental twist, even after all these years, even with knowing what my foods are, can be so insidious. And if I don't, gravitate towards doing my inventories daily, understanding that my part in actions affect whether or not I let my disease in or not. Um, and that's important to me. You know, uh, my sponsor this morning said to me, I'm sorry I have such a boring life. I said, excuse me, who's taking the score? Who, who is this um, compare and despair person that you, you, you balance who, you know, and that's, that's what I have to realize every day. My disease is utmost at its highest when I believe that I'm not like other people. When I believe that I'm not a composable obese and some other composable obese have better lives than me, better food plans, better sponsees, better everything. Every time I think like that, that's when my disease wins. Today, I don't do that. Today, I have to sit in my uncomfortability and work the program and be honest because there's somebody else out there thinking the exact same thing, but I think I'm unique. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. Um, Chris B., you're up. I believe it was Chris B. It's Krista F. in Georgia. I think you had two Chris's that spoke up, but I'm Krista F., recovering in Georgia. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, Go ahead. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to say on this paragraph what really jumps out to me where I am right now, I'm currently working through the steps, and is that I don't know anything. Like, you know, it said the man in the bed was told, and then at the end it said there was much talk. Like, he wasn't talking. And in my, you know, feeling of less than and, 
when I came back in and I'm trying to do outreach calls, which I hated in the beginning, and I, I was very, very willing, though, but I, I had to remember that I didn't know anything, but what I wanted to do, like myself, what I wanted to do was say things like, in another program, or, you know, like, slide in a thing that lets you know that I'm not an idiot, or I know something about, and I don't, like, I don't know anything, and I might have been taken through, and I'm grateful for that, and for my past experience, but it didn't, I was still eating, so I just think that this reminds me that you know, it doesn't matter what my past experience is. It doesn't matter what I know. It said that my mind was warped. My mind was warped. And so I listen because I need to hear how you tell me that the poison of my alcoholic foods have caused me to be unable to think in a clear enough state to have recovery. And it doesn't matter what I've done in any other way, and that when there is much talk in this meeting or with my sponsor or with God, somebody talked about the miracle of being able to get up in the morning and have time with God, like that is probably one of the greatest miracles of my life is that I can get up early. I'm the hit the snooze button a million times person. And to long for time alone with God, to listen to the guidance that he has like it's just a state of willingness that I have not ever had before and um and I just remind myself that I don't have to know anything I don't have to prove my worth to anybody today um the spiritual awakening as the result of the steps is as available to me as it is to anybody else on the line as long as I can be quiet and listen to your experience of how your mind was warped, but it's not warped today, that leads me into what I believe will be a recovered state. And I thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, um, Krista F. from Georgia. Okay, now we'll have Ken W.H. followed by Tony B. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is Ken W.H., Recover Compulsive Overeater in North Carolina. Um, this this just all takes me back to uh, the big book there. Uh, Jim and Fred's stories are both um, fine examples of what we're talking about here. Um, Jim was told uh, Jim had some sobriety. He he was clear he was clear of the alcohol in his body, so he was abstinent, so to speak, and uh, and yet. Uh, he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. And then, um, and in both cases with Jim and Fred, uh, we come to that moment where uh, the I thought something, the I thought, and Jim says, I just thought I would get a sandwich. I just thought uh, that there's his first dangerous thing. And then suddenly the thought crossed my mind that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey and milk, et cetera, et cetera, and off he went. And the same with uh, Fred. He thought he could have a cocktail, that he was safe and secure in his own knowledge and everything else, but he did not uh, He did not enlarge his spiritual life. And uh, he thought that uh, he could put that, have that one drink 
and uh, it all fell apart from there. I think the the issue for me then becomes, and what I had to learn, and still, you know, I just keep learning this all the time, that the solution is not, the solution is God, period. God is the answer to this, to to the to the whole thing I have, uh, my relationship to food. <clears throat> it's not abstinence, as both... Jim and Fred and others and so many others on this line have uh, shown in telling their story. It's not about abstinence. I can be abstinent for a while, but still that thought can run across. And the one thing I do to help myself with that is uh, Jim said, suddenly the thought, and I have (laughs) put in place of the thought, I put suddenly God. And if I can do suddenly God, Every time a thought comes rolling across my mind, suddenly, God, I'm putting myself in the right place. I'm putting my mind in the right frame, if you will, of uh, spiritual, spiritual life, spiritual principles. And and I know that God's will for me is that I not eat compulsively. That's just, why should I hurt myself? Why would God want me to hurt myself? So I thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Ken um, W.H. And Tony B., you're up, followed by Pedro B. Thank you. Hi, my name's Tony. Gratefully recovered, compulsive overeater, living in Scotland. Um, thank you very much for those doing service today and for all the shares. Yes, beautiful paragraph. You know, he's in bed. He's he's on his back. He's 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 flawed, and he's got some help. You know, he's got people there, and um, they're with him at his at his worst time, and they're telling him what he suffers from. And this is what we do with um, with sponsees to begin with. We take them to the doctor's opinion, and we and we tell them what they're suffering from, um, how they've got, and and it may be that they're very deteriorated in in body and have a very warped mind when they're when they're first working with us, and um you know this this um this telling is very important um you know you've got this disease um you, you know um and and the body is the body is different from from other people you know there's this allergy that's very important to get across you're never going to be able to um to manage the foods the alcoholic foods in the way that other people can manage them, and the only, um, you know, the the only respite—it's uh, not the word—but they have to suggest is entire abstinence, and I think it's it's really important that that gets across to to newcomers straight away, and then um, and how the mind is warped to, you know, um, we're going to be, we can hope for, um, we can hope for you know, this entire abstinence, but we've got a, you know, and we can put the food down, but we've got this mind that will, that will bring us always back to the food, always, unless we can um, have the spiritual experience um, that comes from working the steps, find a, a God in our life. And yeah, and then this much talk about the mental state preceding the first drink, um, yeah, it, it's it's something that's a daily 
a daily thing and that step 10s can take care of initially step four and five begins to take care of as we as we say what what's going on for us because when i hide things when i when i'm not willing to speak things out loud then um that block begins to build up between me and my higher power and i'm just not able to think clearly and it's it happens way before i pick the food up that my mental state's not right that i'm not in fit spiritual condition so it just reminds me of of the importance of of working all of the steps as best we can through the day and um but most of all this connection with one another the um fellowship there they are by his bed you know it's um it's really a beautiful thing so thank you for letting me share thank you so much tony b okay pedro b you're up followed by toby k good morning uh can i be heard yes Right, thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Pedro B. I am a compulsive overeater in recovery today. I live in San Bernardino, California. If you're new, welcome. And please keep coming back. And everyone else, too, please keep coming back. I need you. You know, this is the greatest meeting in the earth, and, and, and on earth, you know, and, and I feel I'm so lucky that, you know, my mind, that's where the problem is, right? My thinking that's what the big book tells me. That, uh, the main problem of the alcoholic center in his mind. I remember one of my sponsors through through all the years of recovery that says that's the most difficult thing for an alcoholic. He does not want to admit that he's mentally ill. This is a mental illness. My mind tells me that it's okay to go back and eat the poison. He talks about poison in this paragraph. I poison. Why would I take poison if I know it's going to kill me? You know, so it's, it's, for me, it's a disease of uh, hatred. It's, it's a disease of destruction. He wants to, but but it, it tells me, yeah, you know, like like I heard, this the only disease that tells you that you don't have it. No, you're fine. You'll be okay. A little bit. Nobody ever die from that. But anyways, I just want to express. Tremendous amount of, of gratitude. You know, I heard a story this week that, that really shook my... By the way, I really like what somebody said, that this disease uh, uh, makes me misery, but it, preferred, it would prefer to kill me. I, I really enjoy that. So uh, so this week, uh, I uh, yeah, this is a spiritual program of action. This, you know, I, was, I got to be thin following a food plan, but I was miserable. I, I I don't want to be miserable. I want to be happy, joyous, and free, right? Because if if I'm thin and I'm miserable, is is because I'm doing it. You know, page one thirty three, like my friend Janice P told me, is in, in only in one on page one thirty three. We sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. So if I'm not happy, joyous, and free, I'm probably doing self will run riot. You know, and and that's the problem. That, that my spiritual malady, yes, I have an obsession of the mind. Yes, I have an allergy of the body. But my main problem is my spiritual malady, this selfishness and self-centeredness. This, I want what I want when I want it, and I don't care what anybody else says. That's the root of my trouble. So how do I get, how do I get rid of that? Well, he says we, we need God's help. We need God's help. You know, you know, and I'm so glad that, you know, I... I you know, 
pain make me willing, right? I was in pain, and I said, I, I'm gonna, let me go to this meeting. The next thing I know, I, I reached out to my fellows. I reached out to a fellow here, and I said, hey, I, I'm not, I, I, I got unwilling to work the program. And he said, time, please. Oh. Thank you for letting me share. Happy, happy weekend, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Pedro. Okay, Toby K, you're up, followed by Betsy P. Um, hi, it's Toby K uh, from Long Island, New York. Thank you all for your service. I heard some wonderful shares and uh, wonderful advice. I went to a um, holiday gathering uh, last night, and I and I asked the chef, you know, what do you put in? The da 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 da. I said, oh, you know, I think that's okay. I think that's okay, but I wasn't sure, and um, and I guess that's where my mental twist showed up. And um, I said, you know, I never discussed those things with my sponsor. It's Maybe it is okay. Maybe it's not okay. And I had my food, uh, weight and measured, under the table uh, where I was sitting. And I said, but this sounds so much more interesting. And this way I could be like everybody. And that was my sick mental state, that I want to be like everybody. And not to admit um to myself that I am a compulsive overeater. And sure enough, I lost track of how much I was eating. Well, maybe a little bit more of this, maybe a little bit more of that. And um, now I see my sick mental state in action. Uh, When I'm by myself in my own home with my own scale, I don't feel it as much, but when I'm out, uh, in the public, and um, I have to deal with life on life's terms, I see that um, my mental state is not where it should be. So um, I am glad uh, for this meeting to show me my warp mind, and um, I see I, I'm just a, a, an addict, a compulsive overeater who needs more, 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 and it doesn't matter what it is, just to fill me up so I can um, get out of myself and my insecurities. And thank you so much for letting me share iPad. Thank you so much, Toby Kay. Uh, Betsy P., you're up, and we will probably have time for one more share. Um, thank you so much for your service. Uh, and to everybody, all the shares today have really been special to me. Um, this is Betsy P. Recovered from um, South Carolina. Um, and, you know, the thing that it keeps occurring to me about this paragraph and, and the previous ones is, for me, hearing the message is vital. And that's what Bill and Bob are doing here. Um, they, I mean, we're told, or this is what I have heard from sponsorship, from my outreach calls, this is what I hear in the meetings, is to that I have to carry this message once I completed the 12th step 
and was recovered, I need to start carrying the message. And yet, and so I did. I got a couple of sponsees. But it is still something that, um, to be honest, is hard for me to do. I don't like doing it. And I don't think I know enough to be helpful to somebody else is really part of it. And another part of it is that it's inconvenient and there's other things that I want to do. <clears throat> but but what this tells me is that, and this is selfish, this, this is carrying this message is what I have to do if I want to remain abstinent and in a spiritual um, state of mind. Um, and and I just read this and can can't help but think about the the work that Bob and Bill did and and all these men that followed them in carrying this message to the point that we are at today. And um, you know it's it's just very um, uplifting. It, it's uh, it gives me a lot of hope. And it inspires me to to do my own caring of this message. Um, And without doing this, my mind becomes rewarped. It's it's a flexible mind, and it can it can change shapes. And the only way I can keep my mind uh, in a fit, spiritually fit mental is if I continue to carry this message to others. And um, that's just what keeps coming across for me. I know, and it's not just this paragraph, but especially, you know, the previous two or three. Time, uh, please. Before this one. Anyway, I just, I really appreciate all of you so much and the message that you all bring. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you. Would anybody like to take one minute? Susan here. <laughs> Sorry. Susan S.H., go ahead, please. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered, grateful. Um, the mental state, it's that crazy thought. It's the thought that, yeah, changes. It, it, it's, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. And I, I've heard that by the time you pick up food, it's like unplugging a fan. And you slow down. You slow down on your actions that keep you close to your higher power, and you slow down on on how important it is to you that you keep abstinent. And yeah, um, I'm grateful. These times are so rare now. I, I'm just so grateful. But I know I will always be a compulsive overeater, and those times will come up. I need to work my spiritual fitness to maintain maintain what I have today and to grow. So I will pass with that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Susan S.H. And thank you to everyone who shared today. Um, We will now close with the reading from the, oh, no, I'm sorry, skipped something. Um, Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, Thursday, October 5th, 7 a.m. meeting is 20719. That's 20,719.
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Martha Z. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Katie. Um, good morning, my friends. This is Martha Z. I'm, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.